so glad you guys are here. Um, you know, during this series, you know, what we did was I felt really strongly that, that we needed to focus in on worship and how important and how powerful worship is. And so as I prayed, I thought, you know, I just said, God, who is it that you would want to, to share about how powerful worship is? And so um, some names came to mind. And, you know, uh, one of the things, this is my wife, Joanne, if you don't know. And um, I never get clapping like that when I come up. But, um, you know, from the time that the kids were little, um, there are two things that she continued to stress with those kids. And they'll tell you it would, it would be prayer and worship. And so um, I believe that, that, that what she has to share today about worship, it might be something maybe you haven't even considered about how important worship is. But, Joe, go ahead. Make the family proud. Oh, pressure. <laughs> Morning. Merry Christmas! <laughs> In my memories, Christmas has always been a happy time of year. I remember walking through the malls as an adult, and as the Christmas season approached, I would notice a shift in the atmosphere. Um, the atmosphere would be light, happy, joyful, peaceful. And I stopped and wondered, like, what is causing the shift? Like, I knew celebrate, Christmas is a celebration of Jesus. Um, as I thought about it, I concluded that maybe it was from all the Christmas songs that were playing everywhere. Um, we heard them in the malls, in the grocery stores. Um, we would listen to the radio on the car. And everywhere, the Christmas songs would be declaring glory to God and that Jesus is born. And I thought to myself, I think that's why it like, spreads from the church out to the whole community. Um, these days, the Christmas atmosphere is different, don't you think? It's no longer joyful, peaceful, or happy, or light. It's a little stressful. I also notice that I don't hear as much songs that glorify and praise, praise God for Jesus. In 1 Chronicles 16, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Praise is a powerful spiritual weapon. There is power in praising God. And that's your first point. If you're, I would encourage you to take out your notes. Your first point is praise is a powerful spiritual weapon. I'll be sharing some maybe new things. And that's why I want to encourage you to take out your notes. If God shows you anything, jot it down. This is like a time of equipping for you. In Acts 16, the Bible tells us a story of Paul and Silas. And I'll read it for you from verse 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. 
Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Paul and Silas were just going to a prayer meeting when suddenly they were blindsided by violence. They were accused and mobbed. They were beaten severely, then thrown into prison. Let's read on. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Check out their response. They didn't get defensive. They didn't get mad. They didn't fight back, and they didn't cower in fear. They were severely beaten, so they must have been in great pain. In response to the situation, they looked up, fixed their eyes on God. They prayed and sang hymns. They worshipped him. Let's read what happens next. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Wow. God responded to their prayer and songs of praise. The earth quaked, the prison doors flew open, and the chains fell off every prisoner. A real battle in life, like Paul and Silas understood, is not against people. When we think our battle is with people, we will end up getting offended. We will end up becoming filled with darkness and bitterness and blame. We will end up in bondage to the devil. Because Paul and Silas understood what most people don't, even though they were severely beaten, they never blamed anyone, never got angry for being wronged. Rather, they trusted God and lifted up their praises to him. They prayed and sang hymns. Praise is a powerful spiritual weapon of warfare that God has given us against the darkness. God's hand will move when we praise him. Paul and Silas put their hope and their lives in God's hands. They trusted him. They sang praises to him. And God's hand moved miraculously as a result. Let's read on. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He, then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour in, night, in the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. 
He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Instead of running away, Paul and Silas stayed where they were and saved the jailer's life. People believed as a result, and a whole household was baptized and saved. What must we do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. Turn to God and follow his ways of love, kindness, and truth. We see the example in Paul and Silas. Through Jesus, if we trust God and worship him, he will set us free from the devil and give us victory. The darkness in the world today is thick. Violence seems to be increasing, but there is hope for us who put our hope in Jesus. Praise is a powerful spiritual weapon of warfare that God has given us against darkness. The second point in your notes, we are in times of darkness. Have you noticed in Hawaii, our recent news is filled with violence? Even though we are known as the land of aloha, there's been shootings, multiple purse snatchings, beatings, carjacking. This is all recent news. The darkness we are experiencing is not only violence. There's also a heaviness and a stress in the air. I went to the doctor last year for the first time in years, and I was surprised by the question that I was asked. It seemed to be a routine question. The question was, do you find yourself feeling anxious? Only last week, a magazine caught my eye in the grocery store. Its headline was, Outsmart Anxiety, Practical Ways to Take Control. A lot of people must be experiencing anxiety. This, too, is an indication of the times of darkness that we are in. Back in February of 2012, seven years ago, the Lord gave me a warning that dark times were coming. I was in the prayer team meeting, and we were seeking the Lord, um, and, and then I saw vision. In the vision, I was on a white horse, and it was a beautiful day. I felt peaceful and happy. There were others around me. All of a sudden, dark clouds came around us. The vision shifted, and I found that the horse I was riding was trotting through this, a neighborhood. We were passing houses, but he was trotting like a little tensely. Then suddenly I heard the word, treachery. Darkness came around us, and it pushed the horse to the ground. As I was falling to, I cried out, Lord, save me. Then I heard in my spirit the Lord say, tell them what you see. Difficult times will come, times of darkness. Trust me to see you through. When dark clouds surrounded me, um, um, I saw like a storm come. The dark clouds and then a storm and the bad wind. Um, it was going on for a while. And then the vision shifted. Um, this time I saw a crowd of people. They were like coming, walking toward me. They were all in the same kind of clothes. It looked like sackcloth. And it was brownish orange. And they were all walking and they were singing, holy, holy, holy Lord. But they were singing it like it was a funeral dirge, almost like they were walking to their death, but they were praising God as they were walking. Um, 
come, I ask the Lord, is this for us? Is this the near future? What would you have us do, Lord? He said, penetrate the darkness. That's what he told me. After he told me that, I turned because the crowd had walked past me. I turned and I saw the same crowd, but instead of orange-brown garb, the, the clothes you know, I saw from their backs, it was all white. And then there, beyond them, where they were walking to, was the throne room of God. Later on, I was thinking, I went to the, the Bible search, BibleGateway.com to search, white clothes. This is what I found in Revelation 7. Then one of the 24 elders asked me, who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to them, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. What do you guys think? I didn't know about the scripture. I looked it up after the vision. It seemed to me that the Lord was saying through the vision, the great tribulation is near. Prepare for it. Difficult times will come, times of darkness. Trust me to see you through. Penetrate the darkness. That's what the Lord told me. A few years later, in 2014, so this is 2012. In 2014, I came across a book called Sword of the Lord, Rest of the Lord. It's written by Kevin Vasconi. And um, he had this vision in 2011, which was only four months before I had my vision. This is what he saw. He saw a tremendous storm coming. It was full of black clouds. It was massive and ominous. As the storm moved toward him, he saw masses of people. Their faces were consumed with fear and anxiety. As the dark storm grew closer to the people, he saw hundreds of demonic beings begin to scamper and creep out from under the cover of the gross darkness. The demonic spirits would attach themselves to the people by clinging to their backs. They were working to place yokes of darkness upon the people. The people were ignorant of the evil that was happening around them. The demons continuously whispered lies in their ears. They jabbed and tormented their bodies, filled with fear, anxiety, and yokes of darkness. The people began to turn upon one another, resulting in mistrust and violence. This increased the darkness and empowered the demonic spirits. As Kevin, the author of the book, continued to watch, he started to feel infected by the darkness. He felt fear and doubt cling to him. So he cried to the Lord for help for himself and for the people he was watching. Then he saw, then he heard a loud, loud sound of a shofar. It was like a horn. He turned to the sound and saw a glorious sunset, so beautiful to behold. The glory of God manifested and the sky split open. And then he started seeing a rays of light that split open from the sky and a reverential fear of the Lord became real in his spirit as he fixed his eyes on that light. Kevin Bisconi had a similar warning of a storm like I did. It's a spiritual storm. 
But there's more. The next year, in 2015, I was forwarded an email from an inner sister on the big island. God gave her a vision also. One day, God told her to go to her kitchen window and face east. So she did. Here is her vision. As I looked to the distant horizon in the spirit, I saw the hordes of hell charging toward me and toward Hawaii. Now, this is getting personal. She prayed, and she saw huge shields suddenly appear in front of Hilo and the big island, protecting them from the horde. Giant beings appeared and shoved huge shields in front of the other islands up the chain. She also saw a close-up of a person who was being attacked by some of the hordes. They were releasing fear and torment onto this individual was vicious. Similar, right? In 2 Chronicles 13.1, it says, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And here we have three people who had visions with similar storm warnings. We are in serious times. Remember what the Lord told me? He said to penetrate the darkness. We must, what must we do to overcome and penetrate the darkness? My first point, or it's not the first point, it's um, we must fix our eyes on Jesus, number three on your notes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. We must no longer walk as citizens of this world, but rather we must live for God's kingdom and his righteousness. We must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by just such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is high above all powers. There is no one more powerful than Jesus. The way we overcome the darkness is to fix our eyes on him. When you first learn to drive, you're told to keep your eyes on the road. Where your eyes are looking is where your car will view to. A friend sent a video of her daughter. You can put the video clip on. I thought it was a perfect illustration for today's talk. You see her doing so well pushing the stroller when she has her eyes on the path. And then something caught her eyes to the right. Did you see it? And she didn't look back. She kept it to the right. And what happened to her stroller? She started veering where her eyes were focusing. We will become influenced by what our eyes are fixed on. What are your eyes fixed on throughout the week? When Kevin Bisconi, the author, fixed his eyes on the storm, even though he was a strong Christian, had a strong walk with the Lord, he started to become affected by the darkness and the deception. He started to feel fear and doubt. He cried out to the Lord for help. And then he heard the shofar. He turned his attention to the sound of the shofar. And then he saw the rip in heaven and the light shine through. He didn't say it, but do you know as I was working on this sermon? I think it's because it's in response to his cry to the Lord for help. God will answer our prayers. Yeah? Cry out to the Lord. And then 
Look. Look toward him. What you fix your eyes on will fill you. In Kevin's story, he continues his story by saying he kept his gaze on the light. Then he saw from the rip in the atmosphere a multitude of heavenly beings, which are like warrior angels, moving swiftly from the rip. So from heaven, when he cried out to the Lord, the, the heavens ripped open and the angels started coming. And then as he continued to look, Jesus himself came on a white horse. He was arrayed for battle. And in his right hand, he had a powerful sword. Jesus extended his hand to the author. And the author grabbed his hand, and Jesus swung him up to the back of the horse. He continues his story and said, they charged forward in the direction of the storm. Kevin could still see the dark storm approaching. He saw that the majority of the terrified people did not see the Lord Jesus Christ and his angelic host as they passed overhead. Even with shofars blowing, the horns that he saw that he caused his face to turn to where Jesus was coming from, the horns were still blowing, but the people in the darkness, covered with the darkness, continued to just fix their eyes on the darkness. How, um, and then he goes on and says, um, after a time, he witnessed a few people turn from gazing at the storm. They looked up to see the Lord of hosts. When this would happen, they would turn to the Lord. They turned to him. Then an angel who was with Jesus would, with a mounted on a steed, would stop nearby the person and reach out the hand to him. At times, the person would grasp the helping hand. Then what happened was, if they grasped the hand, they would be lifted up above the dark storm. However, there were also times when a person would refuse the hand of the Lord's angelic host and return to, be steep, to, return to being steeped in fear and anxiety. When Kevin cried out, the Lord broke through the heavens. With his, with his, with Jesus broke through with his warrior angels, but only those who turned to him and reached out and grabbed the helping hand were lifted above the darkness. We will penetrate the darkness when we call on the Lord. Fix our eyes on Jesus and grab the hand that he's extending us. He will lift us above the darkness because the scripture says, because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. There is no greater power than Jesus. By fixing our eyes on Jesus, God will pull us through any storm. Paul and Silas did that, right? When they're in prison, humiliated and in pain, they fixed their eyes on Jesus through prayer and singing praises to God. God answered and moved mightily on their behalf. The, next, the second thing we must do to penetrate the darkness is believe God's promises to us. In Joel 2, verse 32, and it's in your number four point on your notes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All three of us that had the visions called on the Lord when we encountered the storms and God saved us. In Psalm 94, 14, it says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. 
I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. Call on the Lord. Trust in his promises. Walk in faith and obedience. We cannot succeed without Jesus, but with him, we cannot fail. The next thing we must do to penetrate the darkness, this is a kind of big one. Humble yourselves, resist the devil, and draw near to God. That's number five. Humble yourselves, resist the devil, and draw near to God. In James 4, verse 6, the Bible says, And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. We prepare to stand during the storm by turning our eyes back to Jesus. Let's confess and turn away from our sins and return to the Lord. If you have offense in your heart, it's a sign you've gone astray. You veered off God's path. The devil is the accuser of the Christians. He's trying his best to convince you not to forgive. Don't listen to him. Resist him. If you listen to him, you will be filled with darkness, anger, and bitterness. And unless you turn back, you may lose God's forgiveness yourself. God's instruction to us is to forgive those who hurt us. As he has forgiven us, we need to forgive others. Trust God and choose love instead. God alone will be judge. And as Kevin's vision shows, our enemy is not people. Our enemy is not people. As we give grace to other people, we ourselves will receive grace. This is not an easy battle, but it's a battle every Christian must face. Whether you win or lose is in your own hands. You will win if you obey the Lord, forgive, and choose to be filled with his spirit of love. His spirit will heal you and set you free from the pain and bitterness. He will lift you up in due time as you humble yourself. If you choose not to forgive, darkness will fill you and pain will bind you. Another promise is found in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. When we worry and fear, we're giving in to the lies of the devil. God tells us to give all our worries to him in prayer, then thank him for what he has done. We need to resist the devil and draw near to God by believing his promises and walking in his instructions. Resist the devil and he'll flee to, be to the offended thoughts that come. Say, no, I don't agree with you, go away. Resist it, then turn to the Lord and declare, I forgive that person. Pray blessing on that person, knowing that it's probably an evil spirit that is influencing them. Ask the Lord to bless them and free them and help you to fix your eyes back on Jesus and ask him to heal you. To the anxious thoughts that come, say, no, I don't agree with you, go away. I will lift my concerns to God. 
resist it, then lift up your concerns to God in prayer. Lord, I'm worried about this. Can you take care of it? Remembering he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, seated behind, in the right hand of the throne of the Father, and there's no authority higher than him. Can he take care of your worries? Yes. Once you know that, thank him. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me and taking care of this. Then receive his peace. To the fearful thoughts that come, say, no, I don't agree with you, go away. Resist it. Then turn to God and pray. Lord, deliver me from my fears and declare, in you will I trust. To the condemning thoughts, say, no, I don't agree with you, go away. There is no condemnation toward those who are in Christ Jesus. Resist it, then turn to the Lord and ask his forgiveness for any of your sins, any of your failures, and receive his forgiveness, his love, and his cleansing. To the depressing thoughts, say, nope, I don't agree with you, go away. Resist it, then turn to the Lord and pray, help me, Lord, to see things your way. Let my mind dwell on the things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. And start to give thanks to God for all his blessings. Whatever we let our minds dwell on, the consequential feelings will follow. So don't let your feelings lead you. Rather, hold captive every thought to the obedience of Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Give your burdens and requests to him. Draw near to God. Cry out to him for help. Fill your heart with his promises and hang on to them tight. Then thank him and sing your praises to him. Receive his peace. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest under the shadow of his wing. In moments that you struggle with darkness, turn to Jesus. Come to him with singing. Come to him with praise. There is a place of rest for you, for us who put our trust in him. He will keep us under the shadow of his wings because he is the Lord God Almighty and he loves us purely. Only his shelter, only in his shelter can we find rest. He will lead us through the dark times. He will give us a future and a hope. Turning to God is turning your eyes away from the world. Are you willing? To turn your eyes away from the bling, the entertainments, the ambitions of this life, and turn to God and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Are you willing to make time to fill your heart with his words and walk in his will and sit in his presence? Are you willing? If so, then stand with me and let's pray. Pray after me. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for our love for the world, its entertainments, its ambitions, its comforts, and its bling. Forgive us for the idols in our heart. We choose to turn away from worldliness and walk with you. Help us to love you with all our hearts, souls, mind, and strength. Help us to make love our aim in our lives because that's who you are. Help us to become like you. Thank you for hearing us. Fill us with your glory and light, your hope and joy in this season. Help us not to give in to temptation and deliver us from the evil one.
Please give us victory and lead us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we do our closing song, I want us to read or declare Psalm 98 together. It's in your notes here at the bottom. And let's declare it. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown us saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth has seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Let the earth see and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills shout, sing for their, out for joy. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the earth, world with justice, and the nations with fairness. Let's worship. <laughs> 